Hello, welcome to Guides of the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. And let's tell each other about some weird stuff. I have a haunting thing. Oh. I know you have a little bit of a grab bag of Sure, weirdness. a little glitz and glamour yeah. from uh, uh, Holly Weird. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I've got coming up later in the show. Quirky, did you come up with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I it's all, That's so. all me. I all so. me. That had your name all over it. Uh, before we get started, I do just want to shout out yep. uh, that this is the launch week of a brand new yes. podcast from Skylark Media, the same company that did my show, Blackwood, that I wrote. Yep. I'm one of the producers of... Earthbreak. Yeah. A few suggestions for survival with additional hints and tips about how to make yourself more comfortable during the alien apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Starring Jenny Slate, directed by Aaron Katz, produced by April Lamb, written by Morgan Ormond. It's about Jenny Slate as the survivor of an alien apocalypse. She is the last woman on Earth. She is struggling to survive. And then, record scratch, what? she learns something that raises the stakes considerably yes. for herself. I do not want to give it away. You will know what I'm talking about at the end of episode one. Yeah. Two episodes are out right this second. Please go subscribe. Check out those shows. I really hope you enjoy them. Yeah, a lot of people are so far. Yes, uh, there are yeah. really amazing reviews. It's insane. On Apple Podcasts, a lot of amazing people yeah. have been tweeting about it at EarthbreakPod mm -hmm. on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yes. Uh, a lot of really, like... Almost, interesting opinions. Almost all of the reviews are five stars. Yes. Like all of the written reviews. Yes. There is, yeah. you know, I'm learning more and more about this industry. Yeah. We've been in it for about a year. Um, not everybody has favorable things to say. Yeah, sure. That's part of the way it goes. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked. Yeah. Honestly, Earthbreak. I know. It's, it's really like across the board. Yes. There are no written reviews that aren't five stars yeah. and that aren't just like glowing. Yeah. It's it's a very uh, intense, very human, heartwarming, heartbreaking, mm -hmm. yeah. frightening show. I've seen people who get yes. scared. Careful jumping. if you're driving a car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go check out Earthbreak. I really, really hope you enjoy it. Yeah. And if you do, it means the world to mm -hmm. productions like this, especially um, since you know you know, yeah. people that have worked on it, please mm -hmm. consider sharing the show with your friends and reviewing it. Those yeah. things really, really matter. Yeah. It's the first show that I'm listed as a producer. Right, that's on, a really big deal. And I'm really, really proud of it. Uh, yeah. We've all worked so hard on it and we all really hope that you enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And Will wants to keep being a producer on it. Yeah, hey, so let he me really keep doing this. the process. Yeah. So that kind of support helps him keep doing that. Yeah, I was with it throughout the entire process. As a, yeah. I've also got a story by on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Morgan on all the scripts but she really i mean knocked it yeah. out of the park blew it out of the water smashed it out of the planet mm -hmm. um anyway yeah earth break yeah go subscribe have mm -hmm. a spooky good time that's right um okay all right let's do this cool so william i'm gonna go back to the paranormal witness well that i like to dip into here yeah. and there it's been a while i'm trying to think of the last story that i used paranormal witness specifically as my source for much sure. they think i may have just sprinkled it in here and there but if you guys don't know what it is it is a now canceled ghost show big surprise that you can find online you can find it um you can like rent it from youtube and stuff like that you can also if you google and you hit the videos tab maybe there are some episodes on there yeah may or may not be hmm mm -hmm. you'll have to find out gratis <laughs> so <laughs> I'm covering one yeah. that I remember watching a while ago, and then it kind of came back up when I was reading about the Warrens last week and all the freaky dolls that they have. They don't have this doll in the occult museum, but Lorraine Warren was called out to deal with this doll um, at their home. Wow. And this is the Susie doll. Okay. So, interesting about this story, 
I only found Paranormal Witness as a source for it. Like, if there are other sources, like when you Google, they seem to all be just citing the episode of Paranormal Witness. So I think this family only talked to the show about this. Yeah. And I couldn't find whether the doll... Well, I guess, actually, now I think about it, it's obviously not the same doll. It unfolds in the story. But I was about to say, I couldn't find if the same doll that they use on the show is the actual doll. Because I was wondering that before I watched the show, and I just remembered I have my answer, and you guys will too in a minute. But even though it's not the authentic Susie doll, I highly recommend you guys give a goog to Susie doll because this thing is freaky in a different way. It's like it's paper mache. Oh. And then it has like a very Jack Nicholson as the Joker red mouth. Um, it is one lumpy, unnerving-looking doll. They did the perfect thing for the show. Who's making these dolls? I know. Well, the, part of the story is that this was a homemade doll. Like, the girl who ended up getting the doll got it from her aunt, who made it for her and made it to look like her. So, for all I know, the doll was, like, made out of whatever the hell they made this doll out of. It seriously looks like its face is paper mache. There must be a... Um uh, still a trend of people that are making homemade dolls for their yeah, kids, I'm nieces, sure. nephews, whatever. I'm sure they look better nowadays, right? I'm 100% certain that they do. Did people in the past kind of suck at stuff? Maybe they have the same resources. So such easier access to tools and yeah, information. And it's all relative. Like maybe Susie doll, they thought that thing was dynamite Yeah. when they got it. I Whoa. Think, yeah. Susie looks fantastic. Whoa, did you make this or did you find it? Yeah. This is incredible. That's a compliment. Yeah. Did you make it or did you find Because finding things is so, it's so organic that yeah, exactly. you know, it's comparable and, and great. Right. I think this happened in the 80s. Actually, I actually didn't write that down. I'm pretty sure this happened in the 1980s. Oh, so. that's more recent than I assumed. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, so what happened, and again, I'm just using this episode of Paranormal Witness as my source. Um, what happened is that there was this family... Um, there's a mother, a father, and two girls. And like I said, the aunt gave a six, one of the six-year-old girls named Heather this Susie doll for her birthday, which was made in her likeness. And it reminded me of the fact that Robert the doll, which we talked about in an episode a while ago, was also kind of in the likeness of um, his owner. So, like, what's the deal? Maybe there's something about dolls that are like doppelgangers that somehow attracts untoward spirits was that was a thing right didn't it wasn't my buddy it was wasn't uh, there a thing of getting dolls that look like you well there is like you can get american girl dolls that you customize however you want now mm. and you've been able to do that for a while so i wonder if you're thinking of that or there's something that i'm just not thinking of this like is build a bear kind of you know what i mean yeah like, i guess so yeah. yeah but what were you gonna say this is uh uh lorgan von pelt she died in the potato famine <laughs> This is my doll. Didn't they all have horrific backstories? Yes, usually. So yeah, you can see like, that her shoes are made out of newspapers. Right. I had, I, I don't remember backstories, but like, yeah, it'd be like they're from like a war-torn Sweden yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I had Kirsten and I had Samantha. And Samantha is the doll who I also had the corresponding outfit for her. Oh, God. Oh, no. And there's a picture. I have my phone. I will post it, actually, um, where it's me standing as Samantha, and I only have, like, part of a smile on. I think that, like, the camera just clicked at, like, an off time. So I'm just kind of like, eh. And I had made myself a book strap 
out of like yeah. a rope or something. So I have that like around my shoulder. And my friend Mike made that black and white, and it truly makes me look like a Victorian ghost. <laughs> That's great. We're gonna have it's to find that. A very good picture. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'll definitely find that and post it. <laughs> but yeah, there definitely there's something about dolls made in the likeness of the owner. That's very weird. It's I mean, there's, there's inherently something weird about dolls anyway. It's like that whole uncanny valley thing. Yeah. But so Susie was supposed to be reminiscent of Heather. So um, the night that they got her, her parents were in bed. Her parents' names are Lisa and Jerry. And they were in bed and they heard this weird growling noise from outside. Now, Jerry is very, Jerry is very, Jerry has some quotes in here that are beautifully said. So I just quoted him directly because I was like, God, Jerry's a poet. Yeah. You might not even know it. <laughs> but um, so they heard what they thought was an animal in trouble outside. And they went to the window. They lived in an apartment and kind of lived up uh, on a higher floor. And Jerry got up and looked in the window, out the window too. And he said that the sound was like taking your voice and turning it inside out, just drawing it out. What? Jerry. Yeah, I've... I've... That's very hard to imagine. I know. Just is, like a wailing sound, basically. Taking a voice and turning it inside out. I know. I yeah. guess it just sounded like tortured yeah. and insane. Um, so out the window, they look and they see a shadow, like a, a cloud, like a black cloud shadowy thing coming up the road. And Jerry said the streetlights were being cloaked in darkness one by one. It was blinking out as it's moving. And that the sound was getting louder the closer it got. And he said, hell was coming down that street. Oh. And then it was just gone, and they couldn't explain it. They didn't know what they saw. They didn't know what happened, and they just went to bed, I guess. It sounds, it sounds like the opening of Harry Potter and, yeah, and the Sorcerer's Stone. Somebody was using the put-outer yeah. on all the lights on Lisa and Jerry's street. <laughs> exactly. And for them, it was like a horror story. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. just kindly old Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> I was like, shoop, mischief managed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they're in there like, ah, ah, yay. So the next morning, Heather brings Susie downstairs for breakfast. And they're in the living room watching TV while she eats her cereal. Heather walks out of the room to go get some more cereal. And she comes back. And Susie has moved to the rocking chair instead of on the couch where she was. Yeah. And Heather was so young. She was six years old. She said she thought it was real. She remembered thinking like, oh, I guess Susie got up and like moved to the rocking uh, chair. And that didn't scare her. I know. She it's almost, it's like, scary oh. that kids wouldn't be scared by that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. They just don't have like the perfect grip on reality yet or and disbelieve things like that. So they could be like, oh, okay. I find that you scary know, they have, like, too. Imaginary friends. Yeah. It is scary. So she was super attached to the Susie doll. She took it with her everywhere. She talked to it like it was a real person all the time. And her sister, uh, Lisa, right? Let me see. Yeah, mom's name is Linda, sister's name is Lisa. Lisa said it was very creepy and they all didn't really like it, but like, what are you gonna do? Um, so then one morning, the mom got up at 5.30 in the morning. She worked at a factory and she had to wake up super early. And she heard noises coming from downstairs. She went down and the kitchen was like trashed. Like just drawers open, cabinets open, just stuff all over the place. And she thought it was the girls. She thought it was super weird because they don't do stuff like that. But, you know, the logical assumption was obviously there's people in your house. Yeah. So she went upstairs. She told Jerry. He took a look. And then they yelled at the girls. And the girls were, like, swearing it wasn't them. But they're just like, yeah, okay. But, like, don't, don't do this. They're pissed. So then a little bit later that morning, um, because he went to work later than Linda did, um, Jerry is, like, still sleeping. 
he hear oh no i got ahead of myself i'm sorry it wasn't that he's waking from sleeping later that day it was something jerry heard he's in the house and he hears static coming from downstairs like tv static and he goes down to the living room and the furniture like living room furniture like couches and stuff like that and they show it in the show um is stacked in weird ways like the couch is like up on its side like chairs are on tables like things are just like all messed up and heather the girl and susie are sitting in the rocking chair in front of the staticky tv and heather just looks like she's totally absorbed in it yeah there's a lot of poltergeist like the movie poltergeist in this story and i couldn't find because paranormal witness is the only source for this story any sort of chicken or the egg kind of situation yeah like maybe this was maybe inspired by the movie poltergeist or maybe this is such common poltergeist activity like maybe that kind of like funeral arranging uh funeral furniture arranging and maybe the static happens with poltergeisty stuff a lot or something maybe but definite parallels i think it's notable to point out that you know this is a story about a spooky doll Mm -hmm. and what is a doll but another object for a poltergeist to move around yeah totally it might as well be that scary clown clown thing from underneath the bed yeah exactly yeah i think isn't there a thing in um i haven't seen the movies but i think in annabelle part of Mm -hmm. the point isn't that the doll annabelle is getting up and running around and doing stuff yeah it's that there's a spirit that is attached to annabelle and is Mm -hmm. manipulating the doll similar to how it would manipulate other stuff so yeah the doll could just be like the focal point of this and again this is about a a young it's about a young girl again and her sister the girl is six so she's really young but her sister was like a teenager okay so yeah we're referring to the rules of poltergeists which uh we talked about a long 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 Mm -hmm. time ago we covered poltergeists and a big thing was about it being around uh like puberty aged Mm -hmm. kids like a lot of tension around children would attract a poltergeist this is like hormones to feed off of exactly basically so yeah this is somewhat in keeping with the that rule set yeah exactly and i don't know if that thing about the um, spirits, like not necessarily it being a doll that is inhabited, but a spirit just kind of using that as its tool to free people out. I don't know if it might be. I haven't seen Annabelle either, but it definitely is part of the real Annabelle story. I talked about it on the show. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you're, you're definitely on to something. Yeah, because I, I remember like having almost exactly this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Same, it's pretty yeah. similar. Um, so, yeah. So he sees, you know, all the furniture, like heavy furniture stacked and rearranged and his daughter sitting with her doll in front of just a static TV, just like looking totally absorbed. <laughs> In it. Yeah. Blah. Um, so he like rips her away from it and she's like, what the hell? So he thinks that maybe at this point somebody is breaking in and messing with them. So they change the locks in their apartment. Then another time in the middle of the night, Heather and Lisa, her older sister, is like a teenager, hear the sound of kids playing outside, like in the middle of the night. It sounds like it's like the middle of the day, basically. And so they go to look in the window, out the window, and they don't see anyone outside, but they can still hear the sound of kids playing. Hmm. Like, what the hell? It's just not really normal. So then Lisa, they, you know, they go back to bed because what are you going to do? I guess maybe, they don't say this in the show, but maybe they're like, oh, maybe they're down the street or something. I guess you just wouldn't know what to do. They lay down, and Lisa said when she laid down, she heard kind of an indistinct whisper in her ear, and then a chill down her neck. And she was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, just confused, and just tried to go to sleep, and she, like, couldn't wait for morning to come. I think she said she didn't want to wake up her mom because her mom works so early or something. And she was like, oh, I just want this to be over. So then when they woke up in the morning, Lisa feels, like, hair on her face, just, like, you know, the middle of the night stuff. And she, like, goes like this, and it's a bunch of her hair. And it turns out there is like a perfect circle bald spot in the back of her head that she didn't feel or anything like nothing 
hurt her. I can't feel my bald spot. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I don't know what she's making such a big deal out of. Although I will say, sometimes I can tell it's raining because that I makes can. Sense. Yeah, yeah. The, the raindrops hit my bald spot, yeah. and then I know. Well, it's just like you have a little um, a weather vane up there. Yeah. That's all. You. It's like a. It's hey, buddy. It's like a special superpower. Yeah, it's great. Look at you. You know when it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Professor Xavier, you want to know what my superpower is? It's the back top of my head's a little cold. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to ask you to join the team. <laughs> I have to tell you. They already got a bald guy. I can't fit in the suit. <laughs> Professor Xavier's already bald. <laughs> they don't need you. I already know that's, it's raining. That's, that's wonderful, son, but we already have one. I can tell it's raining all around my head. <laughs> all of it, face, back of head and all. Does he even have eyebrows? <laughs> he might not. I'm trying to picture it. Now, Patrick, Patrick Stewart has eyebrow, uh, eyebrows in that, I think. <laughs> Should have killed me when you had the chance. Oh man! God, how many times do you think I've said that in the last? <laughs> so <many laughs> Kristen and I, before before at the hotel in New York, we saw part of X Men Three, yeah. and it was psychotic. It was so <laughs> a crazy movie. It had been like kind of in the periphery of my mind for like months, ever since like Howard Stern was talking about the old movies or something. And yeah. I said to Ryan like. Oh, I want to watch like the old X-Men and I've been thinking about it and just kind of forgetting it. And we watched that. I was like, oh boy, I got to get back into this world. It's this like is... all Hugh Jackman raising oh God, one eyebrow. Hugh Jackman's insane. And then they go into like a simulation for, for fighting training yeah. and Hugh Jackman is able to light his cigar off of like a burning car. It doesn't make simulation. a lick of sense. It's insane. And then Kelsey and anyway, Grammer is beast and he's reading a newspaper sitting on the ceiling. A dream. And he does, he drops from the ceiling and does like a little heel click like, it's nice to see you, Senator. A uh, dream. Speaking of <laughs> Frasier. There's a lot going on with Frasier recently. I know. Frasier is an earth break. Yeah. <laughs> I've been writing. I was looking for Frasier gifts today to try to post with something with earth break. Yeah, yeah Frasier is really. There's a major Frasier moment in earth break. Really and it, top there was of mind. Flat out damn near an argument between Jenny Slade yeah. and Morgan Orman at the Tribeca premiere about Frasier. <laughs> in the panel. It was great. Frasier is trending. Yeah. Frasier is trending. In our again. world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she has this like circular bald patch in the back of her head that she didn't do or anything. It just, it seemed to appear there. So they took her to a specialist because they thought that her hair must have fallen out just in that spot. So maybe they thought they had, she had something kind of going on with her medically and, um, they had to like do a test or something like that, but they called them back and told them that it didn't just organically fall out of her head. It was yanked out altogether. And she knew she hadn't done it. Her Nobody in her family had done it. She literally didn't feel it happen, which seems extremely unlikely, because at least in the show, it's a recreation, so who knows. But it was like a decent size. Like, we're talking yeah. a donut. Maybe a smaller Entenmann's, but still a donut. <laughs> like a softie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> So, someone was pulling it out. Uh-huh. Then, 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 one night they're all having dinner, and Heather says, bad things are going to happen in this house. Oh. Out of nowhere. This has to predate Poltergeist, or I guess. I guess. Or I know. They're here. They're here. It's the same. I, I know. I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. Um, and they said that it was insanely creepy and just matter of fact, loud and clear. And Lisa described it like there was a tape recorder under her chair. It just like sounded like her, but like not totally like her. That's weird. And just very strange. Um, and she said that she was basically, they said that she was just acting not like herself, Heather. And that she had Susie with her like 
all the time. Like, they, she'd been with her a lot before that, but now it was constant Susie doll. Susie doll out the Wazoozie doll. <laughs> so, there was, this one is, who oh boy. <laughs> so, one day, Lisa wanted to go skating, the older girl, and she and Heather shared a room in the apartment. And she went to their room to get her skates, like roller skates or rollerblades or something. And she saw Susie in there. Maybe Heather was at school or something. And she didn't really want to go in the room with Susie because they're, they're already, they're just creeped out by Susie by this point. It seems like they hadn't made the full connection that Susie was behind all the scary stuff, yeah. but not feeling Susie. So she called her mom and was like, hey, mom, can you help me find the roller skates? Like just so her mom would go in there with her. And then turns around and her mom started to come and turns around and the Susie doll isn't in there anymore. And they're, they're like, uh, what the hell? Then they hear water running from the bathroom down the hall. Go into the bathroom. I, I recommend watching this Paranormal Witness episode just for this. Or I think there's even a still of this on Google. They open the bathroom door. The water is running. And Susie is sitting on the john, pants down, just looking over at them. Shut up. No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mocking them. Mocking them. Just being lewd. Sitting there bold as brass. Yeah, yep. Happy as you please. So this this demon or whatever is, is messing with the Susie doll and using as a, as a vessel is just being crude at this I, point. I don't, yeah, that's just juvenile. Exactly. I don't understand why this would demons be insulting. Like, demons like, you know, gross, scatological humor and things Cocky like duty. that. Cocky duty. Cocky uh, duty. <laughs> You're right. They do. They like saying gross stuff. No, you're right. Yeah. There's a whole thing. We read The Exorcist yes. for our old podcast, Book Club, Schmuck Club, and, and that the book, way more than the movie, oh, yeah. is about like bodily fluids and what can happen to you and the crudity right. of humans as an animal. Right. Like demons like to make fun of humans because yeah, like, we are like flesh and blood. It's fun that you like do stuff like poop. Yeah, we are or, gross. Like, excrete. Yeah, humans yeah, yeah. are disgusting. Mm -hmm. And so it's to point out how grotesque we are. Right. So it's like a mockery. Which is frightening. That, that really is like a, a, an otherworldly screwed up thing yeah can you imagine well if that i would die. i mean if any of this stuff happened i would die yeah, but if any the doll sitting on the toilet with its pants down that is a really insane the image is very it's laughable but also very scary is that, it scary looking yeah i think so so you're telling me if i google Susie doll toilet well you <laughs> might be able to try just googling Susie doll how, but how are we spelling Susie? s-u-z-y Susie doll mm. toilet. Should I spell Try toilet it. right or T-E-R-L-E-T? -E I think have a little fun with it. Okay. Susie doll toilet. Did I'm it? looking at it. Okay. I Wait, is, it, is there also a Let movie? No. When you get... Yep, yep. This is right? Yep. Ooh. I told you. There are other... Like, you find a lot of dolls that are for sale named Susie when you Google this. But look for the one that looks like a horrifying ghost doll from a paranormal show. So it has, like, a green wash over it. It's so unpleasant. Right? It's so unpleasant. I it's forgot. It's a freaky looking doll too, right? I forgot that you had said that it's like faces paper mache. Yeah. It, it's really uncomfortable looking. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like the way that it's smiling at the camera. No. Um, it's really, it's really f freaky. Yes. A lot of people after you covered um, the, the, the dolls, I think, uh -huh, shared yeah. yeah shared this like storefront. I don't know. I don't have enough of the details, but there's like yeah. a, a, a model, a mannequin wearing a wedding dress. I think it was, it's called La Pasqualita, and I'll definitely look into it another time. We'll go into it yeah. further, but sort of there's this idea of like maybe it's more than a mannequin. Mm -hmm. The face is very right, real looking. Yeah. Could it not be a corpse covered in plaster? Right. 
I have a very similar vibe looking at the Susie doll's face. Well, yeah, not that like, it looks real, not that like the proportions are real. Yeah, but there's a very sort of mortician's makeup. Yes. vibe to it. There's this like pancake makeup. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable looking. It really is, and I've said it before. Like there are a lot of like um, ghost and paranormal shows that I like in a um, in a somewhat ironic way because they're like kind of cheesy or whatever. Paranormal Witness is so genuinely well done. It's like, I wish I remember the exact episode, but I remember there was an episode that I watched by myself, and I remember thinking, I wish I wasn't by myself right now. Really? It's actually really, really well done and, and freaky. I love and hate that feeling. Yeah, same. Um, I'm going to ask you a really weird question real quick. Sure. Susie Doll, mm -hmm. does she look at all to you like um, yes! this Leatherface woman mask? <laughs> Like, to the degree that now I'm wondering if they made it out of that. Yeah. I th I don't remember which movie it is where Leatherface wears, like, pretty ladies' makeup. Yeah. Um, it's like three or four, I want to say. But yeah. it's very, very shockingly similar. It's very similar. To Susie Doll. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll make a side-by-side -side we can post. Or yeah, something. totally. Also kind of Zeke the Plumber. I think Zeke Le Plumber is closer to the lady Leatherface than Susie. Though, yeah, I guess right? it's more of a baby step too far yeah, away. Yeah, but, but they're all they're all part of the same family. Really freaky. A family I would like to avoid. Yes. <laughs> Not going to that reunion. No, no, thank you. Um, so here's the time where they where the dam starts to really break, and it starts to involve the parents being like, okay, something. Frankly, I don't know why the toilet thing didn't make this happen, but like, okay, something is up, and it's mm -hmm. paranormal and out of our control. So this is what I was starting to say before. The dad was sleeping. Um, I think he was sleeping later than the mom because she had work and everything. And he, or no, this can't be right. He was sleeping. He says nobody else was home. It doesn't matter. He was sleeping and he heard noises from coming from downstairs. And even though he hadn't come around to the idea this was like definitely a ghost or anything, he said that he got a sick, scared feeling. Just like nothing good has been coming of us hearing noises from downstairs yeah. lately. Like what's the deal going to be? So he goes down and again, the kitchen is like, totally trashed but this time the kitchen chairs are up on the table but with i know but with just the front legs on and the back legs are just hanging off and yet they're floating like Weird. it's normal basically and he said that he was looking at it and he just couldn't even believe it because it's obviously against gravity those back legs aren't resting on anything and yet it looks like they are and so he went over to them, and when he took them to move them, there was no resistance, just like, just normal, just taking it and putting it down. And he said, until this happened, I was a true non-believer of this hocus-pocus crap, and I got proven wrong. Wow. So he picks up his wife from work that day, and he told her about it, but she was still a little bit skeptical because she hadn't seen this happen herself. Again, she did see Susie on the john with her pants down. Yeah. So I still don't know where the skepticism comes from, but whatever. Um... But she herself became a believer in this the next day. So she was at home by herself cleaning up, and Susie was on the couch. And to clean the couch and stuff around it, she put Susie on the rocking chair. So she said she was, like, just hanging out, took a break or something, and sat down in the kitchen to have lunch. And she heard something. And she turned, and there was a marble bouncing down the stairs. And she was just like, you know what, kind of taking it in. And then another marble came down the stairs. And she knew nobody was home, so she was like, oh my God, there's an intruder in here. So she went upstairs to go check everything out and she was super scared to do it, but there was nobody up there. She looked in all the rooms and closets and everything. 
and she walks back down the stairs and the marbles were, were sitting together in the middle of the floor in the living room like somebody had placed them there like it's not like they just like bounce on the stairs and hit somewhere they're just like side by side and the Susie doll isn't in the rocking chair anymore where she had put her she then turns and looks another direction and the laundry that she had been doing and folding is thrown all over the room yeah. like the other room or something so she realized it wasn't the kids who did this like there really is something up what the hell so they said they couldn't move when all this was happening because they were financially strapped so they didn't really know what to do and they was kind of like dealing with it until one day jerry was thrown from the bed onto the wall and he felt a ton of pain in his arm and he looked and there were like scratch marks like claw marks down his arm whoa then he said that he was on the ground and they had a four-poster bed and the top little spindly things came off of the four-poster bed like I can't remember exactly how he phrased it. Yeah. Picture them like little throwing daggers. Yes, that's what yeah. I wrote. I said that they were thrown like stakes. Yeah. He said they levitated, they turned to point at him, and then shoot. Whoa. So they were like, all right, this is too serious now. It's like getting very physical. Yeah. So they called their reverend, who suggested they get in touch with Lorraine Warren. And they knew her name from TV. They had heard of her before. So Lorraine came, and she said that she felt she could feel something in the apartment that something was up and she came at night and Heather was asleep so they let Heather be but the parents and Lisa came into the kitchen and they all held hands around the table with the rings that's what they asked her to do that's what she asked them to do so they're doing that and they feel this like wind kind of start like ripping around the circle and they start hearing Heather shouting from their room and she is shouting get the f out of here mm. like over and over and that her voice sounded older she didn't like totally sound like herself Ooh. i know isn't it weird i that... had the same reaction like not just like her voice wasn't hers it's creepy that it sounded like her voice but an older version of herself that gave me a chill it's, it's hard to put a finger on what that could possibly mean i guess it's it's like through stephen a king a little closer to reality so it makes yeah. it a little bit scary it's grounded still yeah yeah exactly so, you know, they run in there and they're like, oh, God, what the hell? And they asked Lorraine if Heather was possessed. And Lorraine said, not yet. There was still time. So I guess meaning like fully gone over or something. And um, current day Heather, because in this show they have reenactments, but then they talk to the people, do talking heads with the people who experienced it. Current day Heather said she doesn't remember this night at all. She doesn't remember anything bad about it or anything. Um, and Lorraine says that they need an exorcist. And they ended up going with this guy named Father McKenna. I don't know how they ended up on Father McKenna and not like Ed Warren. I'm not, yeah. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe they know. were too expensive. Maybe they like had some sort of personal history with Father McKenna or something. I'm not sure. But I was surprised because Ed Warren is an exorcist. Right. But it's not Ed Warren who does this. So Father McKenna and his like assistant priest come over. And this is very cool. I feel like this would be a very good movie thing. So they set up rows of chairs in the room um facing him like almost like pews or something and he told them whatever happens keep looking forward don't ever look back during this whole thing just like keep looking at me which i really really liked um heather was acting normal that day like she wasn't like acting funky and she didn't feel anything weird but she said that she was just kind of scared and she knew this was kind of about her and she just didn't know it was going to happen so less than a minute into the prayers he was saying the light started flickering and it sounded like there were scratches on the walls you could hear this kind of like scratchy sound then they started to hear a growling noise kind of the same growling sound that they had heard just lisa and jerry together that one night when they saw that light kind of cloud moving toward them um they said it sounded like it was moving from far away in the house like in the bedroom and getting closer like mm -hmm. kind of like coming down the hallway and coming down the stairs 
the windows were closed. There was wind blowing everywhere. They said the curtains were blowing and stuff. And classically, a wooden crucifix on the wall turned upside down. So, again, with the mom, like, coming to things later than makes sense to me. Because now, again, Susie's done a couple things, right? This is more than a cold. Yeah, right? Like, I I, I don't think she has the flu at all. Yeah. The mom said she saw Susie doll during this just rocking away in the chair, and then she felt like she knew it was her. What? But okay. So it's kind of awesome. I, it's kind of awesome so to have somebody that Susie taking a dump. <laughs> then Susie like threw marbles down your hallway, tossed a bunch of your laundry, and disappeared. Now you see Susie rocking in a chair, and you're like, oh, my God. It would have been awesome I if think it was like, doll. where is Susie? Where is she? Yeah. Bathroom door is locked. Yeah. Sue? And then you hear, occupied. Uh, yeah. I'm in here. Occupado. Yeah. I'll be out in a minute. Whoa. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with Susie. What? Did she have the beans? <laughs> <laughs> the beans. She had the beans. <laughs> so why do we always find ourselves? I don't know. I don't know. Even when I was when I was watching this, I was like, I totally forgot she's on a toilet during a this. toilet again. It's the law of attraction. It's insane. <laughs> it is insane. I was I was happy though. I was, I was oh, like, of course. It's like you gotta be kidding yeah. me. Like what the hell? It's it's, it's wonderful. Why well, this story? I picked a doll taking a fake crap in it. Like <laughs> let's pants down. I couldn't believe my luck. So, so she's rocking away. Uh, Linda's like, you know what? I think there's something wrong with this doll. And the priest tells them all to go outside now. He's going to finish and they should just get away. So they go outside and they pray. And then even from downstairs, they hear the sound from upstairs. I assume kind of like maybe the growling and the wind sort of whipping. They hear it get quiet. So then the priest comes downstairs and he says, it's all good. I took care of it. Everything's going to be okay now. And they're like, okay, thank God. So they go upstairs. When they walk in, Linda hears the rocking chair still going with Susie. And now Linda has had it. So she grabs Susie and she throws Susie in the dumpster. And she's like, this doll is the problem and I'm getting rid of it. And Heather was very upset, but was just like, oh, well, basically. Yeah. So um, basically they said that like later that week um, that Linda kept watching for the garbage truck and she saw it come by, take the stuff from the dumpster and then drive away. So then she knew that Susie was gone. She was kind of like had some peace with it. Um, Heather never had another doll again. Just really put her off dolls. And um, the show ended on a fun, like, kind of, like, fictional note. It was a, it was a good way to kind of sew it up. Linda says that um, she under, often wonders where Susie is now. And then it showed, this is amazing, it shows the, the garbage truck going or whatever. And, like, the rearview mirror of the garbage truck has, like, Susie in frame. And then Susie, like, slides out of frame. What? Yep. And then they show Susie on a curb. Like, she, like, felt like she, like, threw herself out of the garbage truck or something. And a little girl picks her up and is like, <laughs> Ew! <laughs> Smells like waste. Yeah. <laughs> so, mommy, I found a doll in yeah. the in the gutter. Yeah, can you help me throw it away? It smells <laughs> like also garbage. With that papery face. It's very porous. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's sopping up a lot of juices. Ew! <laughs> it's not gonna clean out. No. 
It's not. It's not going to lift. <laughs> that sucker's not going to get clean. No. Mm-mm. 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 So that is it. That is the story of the Susie doll. That is a hell of a story. I know. I really recommend watching it. I, I basically told you everything from the show, but still watching the doll is pretty great. Sure. Especially I, that toilet seat. I flat out wonder, I know Annabelle 3 is happening and that the Warrens are yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. This seems like they could adapt it. It's very cinematic. I know. I'm actually very surprised that they haven't. Yeah. I mean, part of why I wonder is that it's seriously, I don't think that the Warrens ever, not that I found. You just rewrite it. It's a story now. You know, oh, totally. You, but you I just twist wonder, reality. Yeah. I just wonder if it hasn't been done because it's not in like the Warrens book the demonologists or whatever. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like they talked about it a lot or anything, if at all. So I wonder if it's just not part of like the Warren source material yeah, maybe. in a big way that is noticeable, yeah. but it would totally work. Yeah. I really think it would. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. Hey, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I produced a show called Earthbreak. Yeah. Have you heard? Have you heard this ladies and gentlemen? I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. This will be the last time. Yeah. Jenny Slate, uh, is the last woman on earth. It's it's a scary show, yep. right? Jenny Slate is many things. She's a, a, a an actress entirely. Yeah. She's a writer. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people primarily know about her is that she is a comedian. Right. She's a stand-up. She was on SNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wrote Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. She yep. does primarily comedy. Mona mm-hmm. Lisa Saperstein on Parks and Rec. That's right. Um, and it got me thinking. I'm a big fan of horror. I'm also mm-hmm. a giant fan of comedy. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved uh, seeing when comedians get into horror roles. Yeah, it's always fun. Or those obscure roles where some big, you know, modern comedian. Actually, did you realize that so and so started out in part nine of yeah. Hellraiser, whatever the hell? Yeah. Uh, so I figured we'd take a look at some uh, scary comedians uh, throughout history. Perfect. And we'll start in the modern era where yep. this is a completely sort of um, revered. Mm-hmm genre switch for comedians to do yeah in this day and age uh it's a golden age of this absolutely jordan peele Mm -hmm. i think is really who you can point to as waving the flag for um transitioning from comedy to horror yeah obviously as the director of uh not only get out but recently us yep jordan peele has really proven that some of the same storylines that might work for comedy work really well in horror yeah and that people who uh uh are they say comedy is harder than tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Jordan Peele's proving that people who have become adept yeah. at the horribly intense world of comedy mm-hmm. can transition easily into other yeah, genres. Yeah, these shops that are applicable to other things. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, not only Get Out and Us, Jordan Peele is now one of the uh, the creators of the new Twilight Zone. Right. Do you also know, I haven't watched it, it sounds like this was maybe like a prelude to the Twilight Zone. He is a producer. Maybe he's not the producer. And I'm not a great news source, so it's got camera all the details. But there's a show that's a YouTube original, like exclusive show called Weird City that he's a producer on that sounds kind of Twilight Zone-esque. And like Michael Sarah is in it. Oh, really? And I can't remember who else. And I think it's an anthology thing, but it all takes place in this city that's like weird. Oh, that's interesting. That, that's the name. But like it's it's kind of like a uh, sci-fi horror like weird thing but I think lighthearted. I did not know that. I know I didn't know it until recently. That's especially interesting if Michael Sarah is in that because mm-hmm. the modern Twilight Zone seems to be yeah. about giving a lot of comedic mm-hmm. performers an opportunity to work in sort of like noir spooky stories and stuff. Yeah. Episode one of the Twilight Zone had comedian Kumail Nanjiani, yep. who I'm a major fan of. Same. I think his stand-up is insanely funny. I know. I think I think we talked about it on the show. His stand-up beta male is one of the only stand-up things that has made me like, 
really, truly, like, laugh, yeah. laugh, laugh out loud. I love Camille. I Maggiani. think we've seen it. I think I think Allie and I have watched it, like, four times. It's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. It has a whole thing about, like, being haunted by a woman with a yes. goat face. Yeah. And how inconvenient it is. Yes. And you're like, oh, she's vomiting blood all over the carpet. And as soon as you get somebody in to come take a look, she disappears. And now yeah. you look nuts. And, he's, and he lives in a house full of nerds. And, like, somebody has to be, like, the one to step up and fight it. But, like, he, none of them are, like, really up for the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's also got another bit about how uh, he would be the person in the horror movie that would die first. Yeah. He's the way that you know that there's really yeah, right, a problem. Right, right, yeah. So for him, the movie Alien, a cat goes missing and then someone goes looking for it, gets eaten by the alien. Now everyone knows there's an alien. Yeah. If that was Kumail Nanjiani's life, his world would be... Well, the cat's missing. Yeah. And that's all he'd ever find out. Right, right. <laughs> he'd die a few minutes later. Alien for him would end in 10 yeah. minutes. Uh, now, not only Kumail Nanjiani, mm -hmm. the trailer, I have not watched beyond that first episode, but I've yeah. seen the trailer where they're like, I think Seth Rogen is going to be, be in right. one of them. Yeah. It seems like Jordan Peele is deliberately. I, I think it has to be Adam Scott is in one of them. Adam, you, did Adam Scott, did you say? Yes, you know anything else horror related? Uh, Kristen, it's so funny that you bring up Adam Scott. Oh my God, tell me why. Like, I don't know. Adam Scott was in Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah. This is the fourth Hellraiser <laughs> movie. So here's the tone I'm going to set. And this yeah. is what we're going to do with different comedic-based performers. I'm going to tell you the role they played. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you some of their lines. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you about a notable moment. Uh, uh, from their character in the movie. Perfect. So Hellraiser 4. The premise is that in the 22nd century, a scientist attempts to right the wrong his ancestor created, a puzzle box that opens the gates of hell and unleashes Pinhead and his Cenobite legions. Mm -hmm. uh, here's the tagline for this movie. Signed picture of Pen Pinhead given to me by my, by my friend Meg. That's right. Doug yep. Bradley's right there. Yep. He's always watching us. Always. The tagline for Hellraiser Bloodline is, this year, the past, the present, and the future will all meet at the crossroads of hell. Wow. And the movie it's stars... It's real busy in hell, right? The movie is <laughs> super busy. That's a lot. Adam Scott uh, is featured in the movie in the role of Jacques. Mm -hmm. Oh. Assistant to Philippe Lamochand. Oh, my God. <laughs> creator of the Lament configuration. There's a lot of French involved in my topic this week. Huh. Yeah. Here's a notable quote. We always do well with French, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Uh, here's a notable quote from Adam Scott in Hellraiser Bloodline. Angelique, let's make this clear. What you want is irrelevant. Oh, my God. It's about what I want. After 200 years, you should know what those things are. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Followed soon after, within like two minutes, he goes, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> There's a lot in between yeah. those two moments, but it's funny to start with like ambiguity. Angelique, let me make this yeah. clear too. What the hell are you talking yeah, very, about? Very blunt. It's yeah. a wonderful twist. Um, notable moment. I've not seen this movie, by the way. I watched a I, clip on YouTube and read the Wikipedia. Yeah. Spoilers, by the way, for Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah. Assume every time I say a movie name from here on out, I'm going to spoil it. Never in a Seems gigantic legit. way that's truly going to ruin the entire plot. Yeah. But you're just going to hear stuff about the movie. I, don't, I think it'll be in the spirit of fun. And yeah. quite frankly, you can then go watch these movies and have a very guide to the unknown experience when the certain moments yes. I talk about happen. And you can go like, oh, yeah, Will and Kristen talk right, about it. Right, it'll be that. fun. So here's the notable moment. This is, this is his standout scene. Yeah. Jacques summons a demon. <laughs> What's his look like? Oh, his look is intense. Yeah. He looks even more like Tom Cruise uh -huh. than I thought he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a ponytail. Okay. He's oh got boy. a long ponytail, and it's pulled back 
in a ponytail. That's what it is. Yeah. But there's like a string of hair. Oh, wow. And I think he's wearing like a fancy white suit. Yeah. He's supposed to look like a playboy rich guy. That's awesome. Who gets his way. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. That reminds me real quick. This was, well, it's not that weird. I think it was just me reading into it. Okay. Ryan and I went to see that movie, The Long Shot, the other day. That like romantic comedy with Charlize Theron and um, Seth Rogen. Yeah. Um, it was great. And there was this guy in the parking lot who was wearing like, he was wearing like Seth Rogen's outfit in the movie. He was like outside smoking a cigarette and he's wearing like a windbreaker, <laughs> kind of like that, and a hat. And Ryan and I, went, we pulled up and we were like, what's with that guy? Because it was just like kind of a loud look. And I was like, he looks like um, Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus's husband in Christmas Vacation, like when they're coming in from like running and stuff yeah. like that. And then when we went and we watched the movie, I like nudged him. I was like, was that guy in the parking lot just dressed like Seth Rogen in this movie? What is happening? And it reminded me of when I went to the movies and there was somebody cosplaying as Tommy Wiseau when I went mm. to see um, the disaster artist yeah. like in the middle of the day on a Monday with like no one else in the theater. <laughs> That's so weird. I know. He was definitely going to like he was gonna film like a creative short or yeah, something in there right, I'm not right, sure. right. yeah why was i talking about that oh i guess because it made me it's think of that insane guy insane costume it's yeah insane costume and it made me think of the guy from christmas vacation who it sounds like also dresses a little bit like adam Scott i don't right now. know margo <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds like that kind of dude yeah well now let's move to uh one of the big guns i've got several big guns in here i'm gonna okay. get one uh, uh right out of the way right here and now yeah robin williams Oh, yeah. Do you know what movies oh, so I'm going to talk about? Oh, so good at doing this. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I haven't seen, it. I'm trying to think, at least two of them. Okay. Yeah. One Hour Photo. Yeah, I haven't seen that. He plays, but the premise is Robin mm. Williams works at the One Hour Photo mat. He's going to de develop your photos in an hour. Right. And he becomes obsessed mm -hmm. with a couple whose photos he develops. Yeah. Uh, his role is Seymour Parrish. Uh, here are some taglines for the movie. Okay. The things that we fear the most have already happened to us. Hmm. That's he, a weird tagline, it's right? It's very weird. I think it's a line he says in the movie. Okay. And he's a weird dude, so it's not, yeah. He knows your secrets. Okay. There's nothing more dangerous than a familiar face. Mm. And he knows where you live. <laughs> Which is so, like blunt and to the point. It's a really bland tagline. <laughs> Very bland. Um, standout line. Yeah. I think it's telling that this is like one of the most interesting lines that I've got. Uh-huh. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word snapshot was originally a hunting term. Oh. In the context of somebody who's okay. stalking people yeah, yeah, yeah. based on their photographs. That's, that's cool. Pretty great. Yeah. Standout moment. I just wrote, no thanks, very upsetting movie. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> devastating. It's everything. I think I saw it once. I think I rented the DVD. Yeah. I just sat there with my mouth open like, oh my God. I think I politely declined. Yeah. It, it just seemed really like a bummer. No bueno. Yeah. M movie mall. Yeah. All right. Insomnia. Yep. By the way, same year, 2002, he did One Hour Photo yeah. and Insomnia. So weird. Where he plays Walter Finch. Mm -hmm. Premises that Al Pacino is a detective. He, go, he flies up to Alaska to try to solve a murder. He's there during that period of time where the sun never sets. Right. It's an eternal day, and it's a very psychological mm -hmm. um, story, a lot of yeah. mixed-up motivations. You don't know who to trust. You don't even know if uh, Al Pacino, Detective Pacino, you don't Al even Pacino. know if he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the taglines, days never end, nightmares are real, no one is innocent. Okay. And don't close your eyes. And <laughs> a tough cop 
a brilliant killer, an unspeakable crime. Okay, that one's good. Even the first one, it, those seem like not sentences that belong together. No. Days never end, nightmares are real, no one is innocent. What? Huh? What? They seem like one sentence of other taglines that got yeah. mixed up. Uh, here is Robin Williams' standout line uh, as Walter Finch. It's a good She's, name. She started laughing at me. Uh-oh. She didn't stop laughing. He didn't like that, did he? Did you ever have someone laugh at you, Will? You know, when you're really vulnerable, laugh their ass off at you. Someone you thought respected you. Ever have that happen, Will? Oh, God. I just wanted to stop her laughing, that's all. Oh, God. Standout moment. Uh, uh, I don't like it when Ron Williams is upset. No, neither do I. He secretly records Al yeah. Pacino. Uh, it turns out that they have a bit of a uh, an odd relationship to each other. Uh-huh. Um, how, how heavy should I get into spoilers? I feel like it's not interesting to I, try to be guarded about it. Yeah, I would say, I think it's fine. I, I, really? I think exactly right. It'll be annoying. It's if, just going to be annoying to yep. be dancing around this stuff? I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The spoilers are going to be significant from here They're on. They're hot out. and heavy. I told you before that I wasn't going to be spoiling major stuff. I realize it's boring not yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers for insomnia yeah. start now. So Al Pacino is there to catch the guy that killed this woman. Uh huh. And there's a shootout, and Al Pacino. <laughs> Pacino <laughs> Ends up accidentally shooting his own partner. Oh, okay. And killing him. Ouch. And then he swaps the bullet to make it look like Robin Williams did it. Okay. And Robin Williams saw him do it. Oh. So he's basically like, you're going to fudge the fact so that I can get away with murdering that lady. Uh-huh. And uh, oh, I see. in okay. exchange, uh, you know, I won't tell everybody that he killed your partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Al Pacino's like... Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> say hello to my chocolate yeah. blend. And he, um, he's like, all right, yeah, but no one can know. Uh-huh. And like, you basically are like, well, Al Pacino's just going to murder Robin Williams, right? And then yeah. Robin Williams gets on a ferry to like leave the conversation, whatever, and pulls a tape recorder out of his pocket. He was recording Pacini. Okay. So Pacino better not double cross yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. That's basically the point. Okay. Very clever. That is clever. But Robin Williams was in another thing. Yeah. He was in Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, the 200th episode titled Authority. Oh, I don't remember that. Somebody is masquerading as a police officer, uh-huh. calling places, and essentially the whole gimmick is, I'm an authority figure, therefore you will do whatever I say. So he's convincing yeah. people to like assault their employees. It's based on a real story oh, that happened in real God. life. Oh, God. That real story. Is horrifying. There's a movie about that story. I do not recommend it, but I don't want to say, I don't want to not say the name because it'll be annoying. It's called Compliance. That movie got in my head like crazy. It really bothered me. It's very, yeah. I don't that like story it. is horrible. He uses the name Officer Milgram, which uh-huh. is a reference to the Milgram This is starting to ring a bell, him doing which this. Which was all about yeah. uh, uh, trying to see, test people's like reaction to authority. So yeah. like, it was like, press this button, you'll give a puppy a shock. Right. And because it's a scientist in a lab coat who mm-hmm. you should trust, he must know what he's doing. Right. I guess must I be will a hit the button, even yeah. when it sounds horrific. Right. Um, and so the whole point is that uh, uh, Robin Williams trusted authority mm-hmm. and resulted in the, the death of his wife right. and son during labor. I, I did see this. And so now he's punishing people for responding to authority. Yeah. And it all culminates when he kidnaps, I forget her name. Is it Olivia Benson? Yes. Okay. And he has Elliot Stapler. Uh-huh. Stapler. Stapler, played by Chris Maloney. Yes. And he's telling him to push the button to hurt Liv. her. Live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Robin yeah. Williams is going to do it. So you better do it. I'm telling yeah. you to do it. 
And every time he doesn't do it, Robin Williams pushes a button mm-hmm. and you hear her screaming. And Chris yeah. Maloney's like, no! Yeah. And then Robin Williams is screaming like, I am an authority! Push the button! And he's saying, push the button? He button. says that. Yeah. And then Chris Maloney refuses to and Robin Williams goes, you're a good man. <laughs> you don't bow to authority. Okay. Oh, like Jigsaw? He's got like a grudging respect? Yes. Yeah. He was never hurting her. He oh. goes, he's, I, I hadn't watched the full episode, so yeah, to yeah, me yeah. this was a surprise. I'll just present it to you the way it was presented to me. He goes, there are no bombs here. <laughs> like, what? Out of yeah, context yeah, yeah, of the yeah, yeah, episode. Yeah, right, right. I'm sure they were set up, but he's right. like, there are no bombs. He's like, okay. Uh, okay. Were they on the table? Yeah. What? Yeah. And he goes, this, this, is, this is a garage door opener. Uh-huh. She was never in any danger. Yeah. You're a good man. Yeah. Elliot Stabler. For avoiding authority. I wish I was more like you. You're a better man than me. So what would have happened if, if Elliot was like doing it? I guess he would have just been hurting her. I guess. I yeah. guess he would have ended up hurting her. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know there's an episode of, um, I don't think it's SVU. I think it might be Law & Order Original Flavor um, that Michael Ian Black is in. I did not know that. He plays very briefly. Somebody they go to, to uh, question. I think that he is using like a Puerto Rican accent, if I remember correctly. Oh, I don't okay. totally remember, but that's in my head. And I don't know why it would be if that wasn't a thing. Yeah. He plays like a drug dealer or something that they go to interview. <sighs> so he's like sitting on like a bench in Central Park, just like, hmm, oh, like, that's awesome. A bad boy. I would love to see I that. You know, Michael Showalter's a bad boy in M. Night Shyamalan's signs. Yes, I do. He's got a little scruff. Yep. He's a tough guy. <laughs> that's right. Wonderful. Um, all right, now we move on to. Uh, I have him in here. It's not really out yet, but it was. Yeah. Fun. Bill Hader is going to oh, be yeah. in the the next yeah. It movie as Man, the grown up. Love Bill Hader. Love Bill Hader. That's why he's in here. Quite yeah. frankly, it's just because I love him. Yep. He's going to be Richie Tozier. Yes. Uh, the grown up wisecracking kid. Almost single handedly making me want to watch It. Yeah. I really love him. I love Barry. If you guys haven't watched Barry on HBO yet, get on it. Now, the trailer for It mm-hmm. is coming out. If you're listening to this on Friday, it's already out. As of right. this recording, we have not seen it. So all my information is for the 1990 yeah. TV series, yeah. miniseries thing. Here are some taglines for It. Your every fear, all in one deadly enemy. From the chilling, yeah. from the, wait, from the king of terror, a chilling new dimension in horror. And finally, the master of horror unleashes everything you were never, ever, ever afraid of wait <laughs> screw that one up what is it the I master thought, of horror unleashes everything you were ever afraid of yeah I re- you were ever afraid of is a weird way to put that yeah it's it's really weird i don't mean I, to critique all these things but i wrote the master of horror unleashes everything you were never afraid of oh that's nice i'd be happy to watch that <laughs> that's a benevolent move yeah, yeah from the master of horror i'll take it so uh the original richie tozer was played by harry anderson yep he plays him as a late night tv host in the book he's a dj mm-hmm. he's his standout line I just flew in from L.A., and boy, is my tail section tired. We're hot tonight. It's great to be back here in Derry, breathing in that old dairy air. That is a good joke. Eddie, get all their names. I want to put them on my Christmas mailer. No, you know, Denboro there? Let's put him on my Norman mailer. And then he puts Eddie in a headlock. Holy macaroni. Sweet Norman mailer joke. So I can't wait to see Bill Hader do that. I know. Standout moment is there's a balloon scene where... Uh, uh, Pennywise go uh, starts pretending he's prank calling people, uh-huh. but he's not even holding a phone. <laughs> so he goes, "Do you have Prince Albert in a can? We better let the poor feller out." <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not great. You know. Not great. I think I'm gonna skip this one. There's Will Smith in I Am Legend. He's not really a comedian. He's like from a uh, you know 
comedic TV show. Yeah. I think that counts. All right, let's see how fast I can do no? this. I am legend. The yeah. premise is he's the last man on Earth. It's yeah. sort of, you know, uh, Earthbreak. Right. Similar vibe, last person in, on the planet. Yeah. But in I Am Legend, humans have been turned into something else. Yeah. Uh, so they're all sort of like zombie vampire kind of things. They have some mm-hmm. intelligence, but not much. Yeah. Whatever. He's the last, last, last dude around. Yep. Taglines. The last man on Earth is not alone. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. Other tagline. Welcome to Earth. Population one. All right, a little dorky, but okay. Also, I think just to reference him going, welcome to Earth, and punching an alien in the oh face. Oh, my God. Right? In Independence Day? You might be right. Yeah. Uh, he plays Robert Neville. Here's his standout line that I picked. Mm-hmm. Day 1001. <laughs> I've got to get me one of these. I got me one of those. Yeah. <laughs> we came in close contact with a hive today. Blood tests confirmed that I remain immune to both the airborne and contact strains. Canines remain immune to airborne strain only. The vaccine trials continue. I'm still unable to transfer my immunity to infected hosts. The Crippen virus is elegant. What? What was this guy's job? I just thank God that... He must have been a scientist or something, right? A hematologist is the last man on Earth. Holy I don't crap. remember. I only saw the movie once. Yeah. I do not remember a scene where he tries to give a monster a blood transfusion from himself. Nor I. I think you and I probably remember one scene quite well specifically. Yo, uh, the night that we watched this movie, which was, you know, a long time ago, um, we were putting down our family dog the next day because yeah. she was just older and she wasn't well or whatever. So we were like, it was like a planned thing. Yeah, it was sad, yeah. but we were trying to make the best of it. Yeah. We were like spending one last evening with her. Right. We like made her a burger and we were hanging out with her. We're all hanging out together as a family. And we decided to hang out and watch a movie. And we're going to make a photo album of her as yes. we watch the movie. We've yes. always loved horror. So why not? I am legend. Why not? So we're watching Legend, and we're all like, you know, kind of sad, and starts to become clearer and clearer that he's gonna have to just shoot his dog and put it down. But like, it's starting uh, to feel like it. I remember us just being like, "It's no, right? Like, not, there's no way they're not gonna right like, show now, it, and, right?" And they totally showed it and everything. And we were like, "Oh my god!" He's like Will Smith. Will Smith is one of the most like skilled criers. Yeah. Oh my god. On the really planet. Is. Yeah. Seeing Will Smith tear up, even though I've seen it a thousand times, yeah. it's not special. It's a great actor. It makes me. It, it's very emotional yes. to see Will Smith crying. He's like in a bathtub with his dog. It was brutal. It's the like, timing was unbelievable. It's severely uncomfortable. Yeah. It, and we were just like, we were sitting there like, what have we done to We were ourselves? like, you got to be kidding me. We were at least acknowledging it out loud and not just sitting it. We were like, oh yeah. God, are you kidding me right now? How are we watching? How do we pick a movie where this happens? Why did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, however, I did pick a different thing as the standout moment. Yeah. There was a moment in the movie where Robert Neville begs a mannequin to say hello to him. What is this movie? God, I, I don't remember this at all. He goes, say hello to me, please. Yeah. He says say that? Say hello to me. Oh God, yes, that's sad. That's sad? That's insane it's to insane, me. It's insane, but that's like... It's so broad. It's so broad. It's, it's, it's pathetic it's, in a way where I'm like, uh-uh. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I would believe it if there was like a quiet scene where he had like a mannequin in the room or something uh-huh. for some reason. Like in a one day in like, in like a mad fit, in a moment of weakness, he brought a mannequin home yeah. so that it feels like there's someone else. To literally talk to it is so broad. You're entering yes. comedy. Yeah. But it wasn't played for comedy, so it just yeah. plays as like maudlin. Just like over the top. Yeah. It's just yeah. a little... I, I, the word cringe has become very cringy for me recently. Yeah, but I know. Yeah. Very it does sound cringy. Yeah. Um, all right. John Goodman, 
also a little bit of a cheat. Ooh, yeah. Also, this is technically a well, horror movie, fine. but it's yeah. also a comedy. I yeah. st- specifically avoided like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think he's that's... a classically trained actor. He is a comedian. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters primarily comedy, primarily but played for talking laughs. about like comedic actors who are known for comedic things doing this. It still works. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So John Goodman was in Arachnophobia. Yeah. In nineteen. Oh, that wasn't what I was thinking of. Oh, what I've were never you seen of? Arachnophobia. Oh my gosh, you were thinking of Ten Cloverfield Lane, weren't you? I was thinking of Ten Cloverfield Lane and um, Red State. Red State. Isn't he in Red State? Yeah, you're right. He's a detective in Red State. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yes, yeah. you are 100% right. Red yeah. State, yeah. Red State's like a very paranoia mm-hmm. kind of movie. Yeah. Um, you know what else I realized? Also, Adam Scott was in Krampus. I know, but, but again, like Krampus. A, I haven't seen it before. That's more of a comedy? I think so. Okay. I, I've not yeah. seen it before. Yeah. Either, yeah. Mm-hmm. If it was, If it was... If it was generally meant to be a comedy, yeah, I typically avoided it. Yes, um, arachnophobia. I wasn't sure I what the deal are, was with Krampus. There are like yeah. light Spielbergian type touches. Liz Sauer of Ghosts in the Burbs told me that I should watch arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. And I told her I was going to do it that weekend, whatever it was, weeks ago, and I didn't do it. You didn't do so it? it's Liz, it's, babe. Sorry. <laughs> it, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the reason it's on the list. Is I watched it a lot growing up, and mm-hmm. it makes your skin crawl yeah. it's really effective at selling like the ick yeah of of spiders don't care for spiders premise of the movie is uh jeff daniels mm-hmm. uh is a small town doctor yeah he has arachnophobia mm-hmm. also uh, a spider came over on a shipment of bananas oh. breeded with <laughs> a nightmare i know breeded with a sp- yeah this is like too it's like my worst case scenario yeah it's yeah. the opposite of like you got your peanut butter in my chocolate yeah, yeah, you got yeah. your chocolate in my pe- you got your spiders in my yeah. banana well, you got your bananas in my spider I don't like any of it. So the spider mates with a, a spider here in America, and they create offspring, like oh. thousands of little baby spiders. Oh, God, sounds so gross. And Jeff Daniels has to kill the 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 main spider. And yeah. So John Goodman shows up playing Delbert McClintock. Ooh, McClintock, wow. the exterminator. Wowie. Now he is definitely it's a comedic role, but he's like one of those blowhards. He's very Wait, Dwight Schrute. Quick, it's. It's John Goodman, not John Candy in that? I John Goodman. Oh, I totally thought John Candy was an arachnophobia. No. I didn't realize that. John Goodman is, is, is terrific in huh. it. Huh, yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't read the, um, the, the taglines. Yeah. The suspense of Alien, the excitement of Jaws, the fun of Back to the Future. The teeniness of spiders. I think it's actually a decent yeah. sales point. You'd yeah. have to watch it to confirm, but it's like it's if I remember it properly. We played on Comparing Comedy Central things quite a bit. Are, you know, it, it helps. Yeah, honestly. Eight legs, two fangs, and an attitude. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, uh, John Goodman's standout lines. I picked a I picked a couple. Yeah. He's introduced to Jeff Daniels by the mayor or the sheriff or something. Now Jeff Daniels is a doctor. Mm-hmm. He's a damn doctor. Uh. He introduces himself, John Goodman, by going, Delbert McClintock, infestation management. Always nice to meet a colleague. <laughs> That's a really funny thing Which is to great. say. He says, I will hunt down the alleged arachnid and spritz him to kingdom come. And then later. I got to tell you, these lines do make me want to watch. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah. He steps on a spider and it's overly gross. It's uh-huh. like, you know, he lifts up his shoe and it's like sticky, like like he's stuck in, stepping in gum almost. Yeah. But he goes, oh, a dog starts barking at him and he responds to the dog by going, that's right. I'm bad. <laughs> His uh, the standout moment I gave him was inspecting a barn. Yeah. For the spiders, it's just like, and then he has a shootout with the spider where he like wields his little spritzy spray. I feel like I can see him doing that. It's really, really. Man, fun. I really want to see this movie. It's great. Yeah. I, w- I would love to rewatch it. Yeah. 
Dane Cook and Mr. Brooks just watched this one recently. Just watched it. That's right. Yep. Uh, tagline for Mr. Brooks. It's he does about a great job. Kev Costner is a serial killer trying yep. to keep it all under wraps. Taglines. Sometimes the man who has everything has everything to hide. Oh. Uh, and uh, je suis un serial killer. Arrêtez moi. Which translates to, I am a serial killer. Stop me. Oh, my God. <laughs> to the point. To the point. Yeah. A crime only as perfect as the mind behind it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, Dane Cook spots Kevin Costner yeah. as he's killing people. And instead of like wanting to turn him into the authorities, or instead of really wanting to blackmail him, that's part of it. Yeah. More what it is is that Dane Cook is a freaky deaky peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. And he has realized through watching Mr. Brooks murder people, yeah. that would be more fun. Right. And so what he's doing is actually trying to convince Mr. Brooks to let him come along for the next hit. Mm-hmm. He wants to kill somebody. Yeah. If you just do this for me, I won't tell anybody right. who you are. He actually, I think, does a really good job, yeah. as you just said. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's really freak. I feel like he goes for it in yeah. a way. The fact that he was, I think even at the time, viewed as annoying uh-huh, totally. plays into the character. Right. Um, it's just... It's a surprisingly effective performance. It's yeah. almost uh, weird that there he did not do more. I know. He's good in it. Standout line. I know you're the thumbprint killer. You've done this before. Mm. What I want is for you to take me with you the next time you kill someone. And I'd like that to be soon. I like that. I'd like that to be soon. Yeah. It's really I know. commanding. It's really and, good. Yeah. Uh, for standout moment, I just wrote puddle. It was a standout moment. Let's just say Susie yeah. the doll has yeah. better habits than Dane Cook. Okay. <laughs> She's got nothing on Dane Cook or vice versa. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yep. Paul Rudd was in Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers yep. in 1995. This is the same year that he would later break yeah. with uh, Clueless. Yeah. Big year. Yep. Uh, he plays Tommy Doyle. Mm-hmm. The premise is that it's six years uh, since Michael Myers last terrorized Haddonfield. Not even since the first one. Yeah. Since the last time he did it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, here's what it... Okay. He returns there in pursuit of his niece, Jamie Lloyd, who has escaped with her newborn child, for which Michael and a mysterious cult have sinister plans. Mm-hmm. Taglines. There are a lot. Yeah. Six times the terror. Six times the fear. Six times the thrills. Wow. True terror never dies. The only thing more terrifying than how it started is how it ends. Mm. Terror never rests in peace. (laughs) Everyone knows his name. Now everyone will know the truth. This might be my favorite one. One has tracked his murderous past. The other is a student of the black arts. Whoa! On Friday, September 29th, a mystery will be revealed. That's definitely the best one. Oops. N- nice and tight. Just notice I screwed up the yeah. movie, boss. <laughs> screwed up the movie again. <laughs> oh, I did it again. Uh, I'm such a dope. Also, Haddonfield is ready to celebrate Halloween. So is Michael Myers. Uh-oh. Standout line from Paul Rudd in this movie. He's supposed to be sort of taking over the, like, hunting Michael Myers thing from yeah. Dr. Loomis. I've actually never seen this one. That's terrible. Yeah. And he's bad in it. Really? And I really like Paul Rudd. Yeah. It's not his fault. What are you going to do? Yeah. I was only eight years old when I saw him, but I was one of the lucky ones. I survived. <laughs> Plays a little boy from Halloween 1. <laughs> if there's one thing I know, you can't control evil. 
You can't lock it up, burn it, and bury it, and pray that it dies, but it never will. What? It just rests a while. You can lock your doors, say your prayers, but the evil is out there, waiting. And maybe, just maybe, it's closer than you think. Okay, does, is his, does he study the black arts? Is that this guy's deal? Is he the one who does that? Yeah, I don't know. What because that... what's his background that he's got? You know what I mean? Like, he's just Tommy Doyle grown up, but he talks like that? Yeah, he's just super intense. Like, why does he know all that? If there's one thing he knows, it's all that? What's happened in his life? <laughs> Since the events of Halloween 1, I've, yeah. I haven't learned anything additional. Yeah. Well, even even, <laughs> even non-literally. Just like, why is this guy that intense? I only know one thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's been through trauma and everything, yeah. but there's, I don't know, there's just like a whole lot of heft behind that line. Sure, can't take her easy. Yeah, yeah. For a notable moment, I just wrote, I don't know. I've seen this movie like five times. <laughs> All right, <laughs> moving on. John Krasinski in A Quiet yep. Place. There are monsters, they're aliens mm-hmm. or something. Are they aliens? I don't know. I don't know if we know. You can't make a sound. Maybe, maybe we do. I'm not sure. It'll come and eat you. It'll yeah. come and kill you. C- maybe there are aliens. Taglines are pretty good. This is now we're in like yeah. the modern era, so everything's very prestige and like polished yeah. and figured out. If they hear you, they hunt you. Mm-hmm. Good, tight. Um, this one's not that great, but I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Rule number one: don't make a sound. Rule number two: never leave the path. Rule number three: red means run. Okay, it's long, but it's. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And then finally, silence. I wish they were like number three. Follow rule number one. Yeah. yeah. See rule number one. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Rinse, repeat. Yeah. Uh, silence is survival. Good. It's also good. Yeah. Uh, standout line. <laughs> <laughs> is it this? Oh man, I was gonna. I was gonna. I forgot about this. I was gonna post a thing. I was gonna do an Instagram live the other day, and then just act. You know, it's 2019. This movie was made a year ago. Yeah. Probably two years ago. Uh-huh. I was gonna just go. Um, Will Rogers auditioning for the role of dad in A Quiet Place and then just do the finger. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Will Rogers. That yeah. was my audition. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the standout, standout line from John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, he plays, I know his character's name, but oh, Lee Abbott. Okay. Who I called the constant father. He's really a dad in that movie. Yeah, oh, he's dad real hard. Anyway, his standout... Yeah, do we know their names in the movie? We might, I just don't remember. I wonder yeah, I if guess. we don't, because... I have Lee Abbott here. I yeah. don't know if they say but it. I know, I'm yeah. just wondering if they ever say it, or if it's just kind of like, you know, we know yeah. because of stuff after. Yeah. I don't know. Um, his standout line I wrote down is, too noisy in sign language. <laughs> That's a good standout line. Too noisy, too noisy. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Too noisy. We're getting toward the finish line, but this is one of my favorites. Yeah. This is one of my absolute favorites. So Scream came out. Uh-huh. And then there were a million copycats. Yep. One of which was The Faculty. Yes. Starring a bunch of people, Clea Duvall, mm-hmm. Josh Hartnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about, uh, uh, I'll, I'll read you the tagline before I'll say anything else, because this one's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, These six students are about to discover their teachers really are from another planet. Mm. Elijah totally Wood is in it as like the dork that knows all the pop culture stuff because that had to. Yeah, exist. you have to have one of those then. Yeah, I think this was flat out written by Kevin Williamson. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so in the movie, all these this ragtag group of kids. Uh, it's very Breakfast Club too. There's like yep. one of every type. Josh Hartnett's the bad boy, sells drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, they find out that their teachers have been 
like essentially possessed by space alien parasite things that like take over their bodies. Yeah. They're all working together. There's almost like a hive mindish kind of a thing going on with them. Yeah. And what they want is to convert all the humans on the planet. Mm-hmm. So they have to try to escape them. Yeah. Now here's where a comedian comes in. Yep. This is stunning. <laughs> the scene is wonderful. You should all look it up. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen it before, you're gonna love it. Yeah. John Stewart. Yeah. From the Daily Show is in the faculty playing Mr. Furlong, the science teacher. Mm-hmm. Now, I already looked this one up. Yeah. Everybody else, like Paul Rudd, hadn't quite broken yet. Right. Makes sense. Adam Scott hadn't broken yet. Mm-hmm. John Stewart, I, I just think of as like, yeah. He's been around forever. Totally. Doing amazing things. So I looked up to see at what point in his career this happened. Mm-hmm. He would not become John yeah. Stewart on The Daily Show for another year. Yeah, huh. This predates that. Yeah. This comes after, he had a very popular show on MTV in the 90s, The John yeah. Stewart Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even hosted some sort of a BBC talk show that was called something along the lines of Where Is Elvis Now? Oh, I don't know about that. It was very strange. Huh. I, I had no awareness of it. Yeah. That got canceled. He almost uh, was picked to be the third in a series of light, late night stuff. It was going to be David Letterman followed yeah. by Tom Snyder followed by John Stewart, but he turned that down. Yep. And then he popped up here. Mm-hmm. In the faculty, where um, the following happens, <laughs> um, they now know that he is an alien. Yeah, and so they try to leave the room coyly, mm-hmm. but almost like the Terminator, he turns and grabs the person who's trying to leave by the throat. Yeah, and then looks at Josh Hartnett and says, "This is for the best, Zeke." Mm-hmm. That's the standout line of Cobra. Really him. good standout line. Uh, Mr. Furlong had claimed that an alien specimen they found he sent away to be studied, but it's yeah. obvious that's not the case. Um, Josh Hartnett grabs one of those paper cutter things, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about? Yep. And he rips the blade off of it, yeah. which I think was in the trailer. Yeah, I think you're right. And he swings it on John Stewart, yeah. chops John Stewart's fingers off. Yeah. The fingers land and then crawl around. Um, John Stewart screams and then kind of tackles Josh Hartnett and Uh starts barfing slugs onto him. Yeah. Like Ron Weasley. I only vaguely remember. And then Josh Hartnett grabs, he's got these pens that have drugs in them. Oh, yeah. He's selling them like drugs. They're those like little disposable pen things. Yeah, yeah. He takes the ink cartridge out and fills them up with white powder. Right. I think it turns out those are caffeine pills, like Uh ground up caffeine pills. Uh, And he sells them as drugs. Yeah. He's able to reach one of those and he stabs it into Jon Stewart's eye. Yeah. So now you've got Jon Stewart with his fingers cut off with gross alien tendrils coming out. Yeah. And his eye has a a pen jammed in it. It's all gross looking. Yeah. And he stands up and he's like, Actually, I don't think his mouth ever opens. He's just going like, yeah, there's really weird. God falls over, wiggles around and dies. Yeah. John Stewart's how they learn that the alien weakness is dehydration. Yeah. Yeah. They they require. Yeah. Moisture, water, whatever. And the caffeine, the caffeine dehydrated him. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. But it is, it is like, you know, like a violent scene. Yeah. With like, like one of America's favorite funny men. Right. It's, it's just sweet. It's awesome. Yeah. The movie was sweet. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, uh, uh, I think we're at the, 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 the final big boy. This is the end. Yeah. This is the last person that I have to talk about Mm -hmm. is one of the big guns. You brought him up to me earlier today. Yep. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Let's talk about Jim. Let's do it. Carrey. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you want to start with? Um, whatever you have. Let's start with, um, let's start with the cable guy. Okay. So in The Cable Guy, Jim Carrey is stalking mm-hmm. uh, Ferris Bueller. 
Uh, Matthew Broderick. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, the premise is a lonely and mentally disturbed cable guy raised on television just wants a new friend, but his target, a designer, rejects him with bad consequences. Mm-hmm. His character is only known as the cable guy, but he also gives out fake names. Yeah. Jim Carrey, as the cable guy, says that his name is Chip Douglas, mm-hmm. Larry Tate, and at the very end, Ricky Ricardo. Yeah. I don't remember Cable Guy very well. I've seen it before, yeah. but it's not like I, I don't have it imprinted. It's like a very notoriously yeah. bad movie. It's considered to be. It's mm. directed by Ben Stiller. It's yeah. super dark. Yeah. This was like Jim Carrey was specifically known at this time as like yeah. old rubber face, funny man, right. light and fun for the a kids. Goofus. Yeah. This movie is super dark. Yeah. Uh, taglines Once you let him into your house, you'll never get him out of your life. Okay. Are you ready to get wired? He came, he saw, he <gasps> tormented. Whoa. That's insane. Yeah, it's a weird one. Stephen Kovacs needed his cable hooked up. The cable guy needed a friend. But is free cable worth all this? Wow. There's no such thing as free cable. Once you're hooked, you're his. And finally, for Stephen Kovacs, the price of cable is about to go up. Okay. That and there's no free cable are pretty good. I like the price of cables about to go I know. up. All right. It's really funny. Stand out stand out lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were never there for me, were you, mother? You expected Mike and Carol Brady to raise me. I'm the bastard son of Claire Huxtable. I am the lost Cun- Cunningham. I learned the facts of life from watching the facts, facts of, of life. life. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Like regrets, everything. It's very yeah. twisted and sad. Yeah. And I can be your best friend or your worst enemy. You seem to prefer the latter. That's a good line. Which is a great yeah. Line. That's Stand very good. Standout moment is uh, Ferris Bueller has a nightmare mm-hmm. that the cable guy is chasing after him, mm-hmm. and the hallways become elongated, and Jim Carrey's eyes are glowing green. Yeah. And he's doing like funny running stuff after him, but it's actually like in this context, the way it's shot. Yeah, it's unnerving. I'm sure it's, it's like scary. Insanely unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. The cable guy is actually like a really like brutal. Yeah. Story of like mental illness and no, not being able to escape somewhere. Right, right. See, it just I just think of it as like a really upsetting movie. Yes, it's insanely upsetting. Yeah. It's far more upsetting than the other movie he did, which was intended to be scary. Right. Called The Number 23. That one's a real woofer. Um, where he plays Walter Sparrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Premise is Walter Sparrow is obsessed with a book called The Number 3, which is written by someone named, do you know the name? No, I don't remember. Topsy Kretz. Oh my God. Oh my God. Holy crap. (laughs) Yikes. The book is about Detective Fingerling. Okay. Who has, who wants to kill a character called the Suicide Blonde. Uh Uh-huh. Jim Carrey believes the book is a confession about a murder, and he also believes it's about him. He thinks it has something to do with him. Have you seen this before? You and I watched it together. Oh, yeah, because I know I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> he also starts seeing the number 23 everywhere. It's one of those movies where it's like, did you notice the hotel? Yeah. H, T, and L. If you add those up, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Taglines. The truth will find you. First, it takes hold of your mind. Then it takes hold of your life. And a number is just a number. Until it's not. Or is it? <laughs> okay. So... All right. I, I'm actually really glad that we're into to spoilers. Uh-huh. Let me just say his notable end, and then I'm going to talk to you about the sure. movie for a couple of seconds. Of course, time is just a counting system. Numbers with meaning attached to them. 
a week ago, the only thing I thought was out of the ordinary was that it was my birthday. <laughs> and now? <laughs> now it's not. Wait, was that, was that it? That was it. A week ago, the only thing I thought was out of the ordinary was that it was my birthday. So, I thought you were saying, and now, blah, 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 blah. No, that's it. I don't know what happens next. It's so oh weird. Oh, my God. And I just have this line. It's, it's completely removed from context, obviously. They yeah. all were. But um, I guess he's talking about someone. Is just The fact to me is just that this con- con- conveys so little. Uh-huh. It's so absurd. Even the color of his tie betrays him. Oh, my like, God. It's like really lofty dialogue. You yeah. Know, like it's all supposed to be so deep and meaningful. So Ouch. Jim Carrey is obsessed with the number 23, a book written by Topsy Kretz. And he thinks that it is a confession to a murder. So he right. starts going to therapy. He's seeing the number 23 everywhere. He's got a wife and son. Mm-hmm. So he's going to therapy to try to figure out what's going on with him. He thinks he's been infected by the book, basically. Yeah. His therapist tells him. To, to figure out what's going on with him, he should track down the author of the book. Uh huh. Just like not it's something pretty, that pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. By the know, book tactic. therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to like feed into it. And be it like, it's Virginia Madsen, right? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but so he's trying to track down who Topsy Kretz is. Uh huh. <laughs> it's him, right, or something? Yeah, it's him. Yeah. So what happened is I remember there being some sort of like memory or reality where he's like a shirtless bad boy yes. with like eyeliner in the story of the book detective fingerling mm-hmm. has like tattoos all going down his arm yeah and plays the saxophone oh my god there's actually quite frankly there's a photograph of jim carrey yeah holding a saxophone as detective fingerling as this like alt version self yeah and his face is so like the makeup and the lighting are so aggressive yeah it accentuates every line in his face Mm -hmm. uh his hair is like you know uh, like greasy it looks like he's been through a lot through it and the fact of the matter is jim carrey has a very expressive face right when you see jim carrey contorting his features into looking like uh, you know, tortured and mm-hmm. insane. It's really effective. Oh yeah. Um, looking at a photograph of him, mm-hmm. I would have been like, I want to see this yeah. movie. It's yeah. just a shame the movie is yeah. so, so terrible. Such a dog. Such a dog. Yeah. So the idea is the book is a confession to a murder. Uh huh. Jim Carrey feels like it's also about him. Uh, Topsy Kretz. Topsy Kretz. He starts to think his wife. Is Topsy Kretz? Okay. I read a bunch of scenes. I forgot I forgot what happens in the movie from watching it, so I yeah. read a bunch of the dialogue. There's a scene where he's like, say it. Say who you are. Say you are Topsy Kretz. Say it. It's like... She doesn't know what you're talking about, dude. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she has like a knife in her bag, and she's and he's like, what do you have that for? Who are you? Who are you? What, what is that for? You're going to kill someone else? Yeah. And she's like, I'm trying to protect ourselves from whoever we might find. She's like trying to be in the investigation with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And he goes... Tell me who wrote the book. I know you know. Tell me who wrote the book. And she goes, it was you. Yeah. It's like, what? What? Everything I knew is it's all upside down. And so he remembers the following. Yeah. He was Topsy Kretz. Uh-huh. I wish I could just end it right yeah. <laughs> He He had a girlfriend and he killed her. Uh-huh. And then somebody else got framed for the murder. Yeah. He didn't intentionally frame the person from the murder. He like killed her, and then somebody came in and like, yeah, he like kind of got away with it. Yeah, and it implicated him in the crime. He got taken away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jim Carrey visited the, that guy in jail, and the guy who went away for the murder that Jim Carrey committed says to Jim Carrey, "He's like, I think there's more to this story than you know." Which is like, well, wait, 
I'm sure there's other context if you actually yeah, watch right, the movie right, that yeah. smooths this out. Yeah. But it really made it sound like the guy in jail for the murder yeah. was also trying to keep a secret from Jim Carrey right. that he was the killer. Yeah, right. He was aware that this is the killer, and yet he's not like freaking out at him or something. He's like going along with this whole thing. Uh, did he did he press his nipple against the glass with that guy oh, the same way he did it in, in um, the cable guy? It is sloppitudinal. It yeah. is this movie. Anyway, I remember being terrible. I think I remember Virginia Madsen being in it also because I just remember weird things like that. But I feel like remember that movie Sideways that was like a real big deal about like vineyards and Paul Giamatti's in it and stuff. And people loved it. Yeah. She was in that. And then I think she was in this almost right after because I, I, I could be totally wrong and I could not know where this is coming from. But I think I remember being like, you're coming off a real high, yeah. like a real stinker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, this what is, are you going to do? I know. But. Yeah, it's it, what's done is done. Exactly. It's a pretty stinky movie. Yeah, it's bad. So he realizes that he is top secrets. Uh-huh. Uh, after he killed his old girlfriend. Yeah. And tried to kill himself, and it didn't go right, mm-hmm. and instead he got amnesia. Oh, uh, okay. So it's like... So everybody's dancing around him for that reason and just, you know, trying to not upset him or whatever. I guess. Yeah. Did, did he not know he had gotten an amnesia? I don't know. Right, right. Questions I won't have answered because I'm not going to rewatch the movie. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're irritating the people that do know. Yeah. But like, it's just like, so yeah, so weak. I know. So bad. I remember thinking it was just, it's not even fun. Bad. I remember just being like, it sucked. The cherry on top mm-hmm. is it's directed by Joel Schumacher mm-hmm. famously from yep. Batman and Robin and Batman forever yep. with they've, Jim Carrey they've worked together before. And it's like, it's like they tried to team up to do something far more adult and mm-hmm. serious and scary. And it all just fell apart. Yeah. It was a shame. Like I, totally. I, 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 I hope that that didn't scare Jim Carrey away from doing scary stuff. Cause I really I think that he would be, well, you know, this will be annoying to talk about, but I know he was in some movie in maybe 2018. That was like a scary movie. That was also supposed to be very terrible. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, I'd be very curious about that. I think that Jim Carrey is a really good actor. I do too. And he I'm would always be, really rooting for him. He's one of the, you know, one of the things that I think is implied in all of this is that comedians, mm-hmm. uh, people that you uh, are used to seeing bringing life to something and joy and happiness, yeah. when that joy and happiness is gone, it's even darker than if it was just right. some, you know, any other performer. Yeah. Seeing Robin Williams play disturbed and upset is especially more. Uh, weighty than when Al Pacino does it. Yeah, it's because it's totally incongruous with what you know of them. Exactly. It's like even more unnerving. Yeah. So he was in a movie called Dark Crimes. It was actually 2016. It was not last year. And um, it's the plot is a murder investigation of a slain businessman turns to clues found in an author's book about an eerily similar crime. What? Weird. Yeah. And it was supposed to be very, very bad. What's his character's And I think name? kind of offensive or something. Really? Uh, his character's name, I just saw it before. It's like Tadic? Where'd it go? Yeah, Tadic. Tadic. Yeah. Tadic? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what's it weird? It happens in another country. Like, there's like Kozlov, Kashia. Yeah. You know what's weird that I just thought of? So in the number 23, it's all about a book written by somebody named Topsy Kretz. Yeah. In Batman Forever, his name is Enigma. Can we scramble around the letters of Tadic to make some sort of other wordplay name? No. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to write something in cast Jim Carrey yeah. in it where he can play someone named Spoo Uki. <laughs> <laughs> the name's Spoo. <laughs> Spoo Uki. The name's Uki. Spoo Uki. <laughs> the name's Airy. Ska Airy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Hi, I'm Terry. Yeah. Terrifying. Or his, or his name is Ike, and then he has to place his name into something, and he realizes there's a Y and an S on the other side. Oh! oh. Everything's coming together. I and like he slowly yikes. backs away from it, like, no. 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 It couldn't be. Yeah. I'm Zoinks? <laughs> Weird. Well, I guess we know he has a type when it comes to, you know, scary material. Hi, I'm Eugene. <laughs> I'm Eugene Ebers. <laughs> Eugene Ebers? So wait, 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 wait. What's, what's happening here? Close but no cigar, huh? It's Eugene Ebers, and then do we call him Gene Ebers? Then it's Jeepers? G Ebers? It'd be more like Geepers, I guess. Geepers. <laughs> Geepers. Name's Eugene Epers. Epers. I think Epers alone is just a good Me last too. name. <laughs> Me too. Epers is a really good last name. Eugene Epers. It's very hard. It also sounds like a real name from from a thing. It's like spit all over myself. It sounds like a, a weird Jim Carrey movie. Eugene Epers. <laughs> it fits. Eugene Epers. Like in that sad show that he was just in that I didn't watch. I wouldn't be surprised if you told me that his name. He plays Eugene Epers. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. A child puppeteer who blah, blah, blah. Right. I buy it. Who has a bad day. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. Nice man, bad life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm thank good. you. I'm good. I've had enough. I'm going to back away slowly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there you go. That is a, yeah. a, a long, short list of a lot of uh, notable comic performers yeah. who have appeared in scary stuff or played intense yeah. scary roles where they themselves uh, uh, I don't know had to respond to it. or exude some element of terror. Yeah. Much like Jenny Slate in Earthbreak who is That's right. running for her damn life. Yeah. And killing it. Oh absolutely. She's yeah. she's absolutely incredible yeah. on this show. Everybody please go subscribe. We'll mm-hmm. have a link in the show notes that yep. you can check out. Follow at Earthbreak Pod as well. Mm-hmm. Um it's super fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Um well, that was there you go. I actually love seeing comedians in roles like that. I think it's fun. Yeah. As long as they as long as it feels right or they do a good job or whatever, I like really, really enjoy it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I, I really hope in this new era of like Jordan Peele has really it seems yes. like periodically horror yeah. You know, there are rises and falls to everything. Mm-hmm. Periodically, horror ends up back in the sewer, yeah. and then somebody comes along and dusts it off and proves yeah. why horror is a really effective medium worth totally. paying more attention to. And right now, yep. Jordan Peele has really set a new tone, and yeah. I think a lot of it is around the, the comedic performer mm-hmm. and how how extra terrifying Tim it is. Tim Heidecker was in Us. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Good point. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too until just now. Boy, he's real weird in it too. I know. Yeah. Um... Now I really want to watch us again. I know. We were talking yeah. about that earlier. I want to, too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm a big fan of that. So Me, too. I love there it. There you go. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Guide to the Unknown. That's Thank right. Thank you so much for hanging out with yeah. us this week. Yeah. Um, if you want more Guide to the Unknown, you can go follow at GTTUPod on mm-hmm. all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yep. You can also go to Patreon.com slash GTTUPod if you would like to give a little something back to us. Yeah, we super, super appreciate everybody who does that. And if you want to kind of join that club of people who are, like, acknowledging that 
they get to enjoy something for free every month. They make it a little bit less free from themselves by thanking us with money. Yep. Then more power to you, and we super appreciate Absolutely, it. Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. Speaking of joining clubs, go yeah. to facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod uh, so that you can uh, uh, become part of our secret society, talk with other people who listen mm-hmm. to or watch this show, yep. share stuff that you've been checking out yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's a lot of like really good conversations happening. Yeah, definitely, it's a cool group to be a part of. Yeah, um, you can also follow us individually online. I'm at Chillin Kristen on Instagram. I am at the Myth Traveler. That's right. And if you're feeling generous, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, um, whatever podcast app you use, Facebook, any of that. We would super duper appreciate it. I love seeing what people think of the show. Yeah, it's really really nice, and it helps other people like not necessarily find us although it does kind of help with like showings in you know apps and everything like that but it helps them be like oh, okay maybe this is a good show i should listen to yeah you know because like oh other people like it so we'd really appreciate it if you did that yes please yeah uh but we will be back next week mm-hmm. for more spooky stuff from around the world yeah and until that time comes we must travel back to another world go we bye <laughs>